welcome back to the Franchise Festival podcast, where we go in-depth with noteworthy video game series from the last 40 years. We're your hosts, Chris. And I'm Hamilton. While we've been covering the evolution of Capcom's Resident Evil for Season 2, today we're doing something a little different with a different Capcom franchise. Udon Entertainment has just published Mega Man X, The Maverick Hunter's Field Guide, and as big fans of that series, we couldn't miss the opportunity to chat with the book's two authors. Could you please introduce yourselves? David, you go first. Oh, wow. Balls in my court, huh? Yes. Okay, so my <laughs> name is David Oxford, though some Mega Man fans may know me better as LBD Nightline, even if they have no idea how to pronounce that last part. I am a freelance writer who, uh, let's see, sorry, I'm just trying to think. I, I, I do a few things. I write for Nintendo Force, I've written for Mega Visions, Old School Gamer. Uh, I've done various other odds and ends of projects, uh, some Mega Man books you might have heard about. Uh, I write for my own website at poisonmushroom.org. And also the Mega Man Network, which is currently under, shall we say, reconstruction, and I'm hoping we'll have something to announce on that soon, but for now it's kind of MIA. And I am Nadia Oxford. I help co- uh, co-write the Mega Man Maverick Hunter X Field Guide, and uh, I am also kind of a freelance writer. I'm also mainly a podcaster with the Axe of the Blood God RPG podcast and also the Charlene Dropouts Final Fantasy XIV podcast. Uh, I just kind of do stuff here and there. I do a little bit of localization. I do a little bit of games writing. If someone needs me to write basically a, a thousand word shit post about anything to do with gaming, <laughs> I am your woman. Nice. Yeah. The, um, now I, I should ask where, um, I think both of you were previously involved with the, um, the, the classic Mega Man, uh, field guide, right? The Robot Master field guide? Yes. Robot Master correct. field guide. That's the one. Yeah. Yes, indeed, we were. We wrote that. That was, um, we wrote that, plus I think it was updated uh, a couple of times at least. And uh... Uh, Yeah, there was, I forget what the initial update was. It might have just been like, you know, uh, fixing a few errors here and there. The uh, recent yeah. updated edition, which I believe is hardback, uh, has been updated to include the Mega Man 11 Robot Masters that, and yeah. uh, other uh, story yes. elements. So. Yeah, we took kind of a different uh, narrative tone for the Maverick Hunter Field Guide, where uh, we almost kind of wrote it in-universe. Is that what you'd say, David? Yeah, that's, that was basically the intent. We wanted to do something different this time, because with the rise of Wikipedia and stuff, people are just like, oh, this is just, you know, info, you know, I can look that up. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make mm-hmm. it a little more of an experience for the reader, something kind of in-universe. The idea is, you are a new Maverick this is your field guide. This is getting you caught up to speed on all the important things you need to know about the major uh, players and participants of the battles and basically the stuff that happened in the games, but uh, in a more in-universe tone. Mm-hmm. Even had a uh, intro to that front, you know, like, I think it was like, welcome to the Maverick Hunters. Exactly. Yeah, yes. it makes a fun plug about um, you know you, you'll probably be looking this information up on your uh, you know your your tablet or, or what have you. But just in case you're stuck in the field, sometimes it's good to have an analog copy of information. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Like if you're out in the wilderness and you have no five G or whatever they have in the future, ten G, and Sigma's <laughs> there for some reason, you're like, oh oh crap! Well, thank God I have my trusty guidebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sigma version forty eight. <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> well, one thing I wanted to do 
and I don't think it made it in was like you remember how some like books would have if lost please like you know drop at a mailbox and put your name yeah, yeah. And stuff. I want to have something like that you know to kind of you know return to the Maverick Hunter headquarters you know uh, kind of like you know if lost please yeah but if you did that then you'd have to really start committing to the bit and have like you know Dick scrawled all over it the way like a, a, a second grader does to their notebook or whatever. Well, that would yeah. be for, that would be for the user to add. <laughs> user. I'll just say that the young reploids reading this. Exactly. <laughs> I want to think of the children. <laughs> so, what was the process of writing this book, and uh, what was Udon and Capcom's involvement in it? As far as Capcom goes, I don't remember much involvement, uh, much to my chagrin, because sometimes there were multiple terms for something without, like, a definitive, like, I think Zero's, um, for instance, Zero, his, like, learning ability is called, like, I think, well, like, his learning system, but it's also been called, like, I think the Z, uh, or, like, the Saber Tactics System. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think I just kind of ended up running with, like, you know, multiple variants just to kind of, uh you know, be all-inclusive. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I did something like that with the uh, with a lot of the Maverick names and character names, where, like, for instance, the infamous Guns N' Roses names for the uh, <laughs> X5 Mavericks are aliases for the uh, regular names they have. Uh, as for Udon, <laughs> Udon kind of helped rein me in, because uh, I, I wanted to go a lot further with this in some ways. I wanted to go with dive and mega missions which are these trading cards that tell like further stories in japan and oh wow all that stuff i'm hoping we can come back around to some of that stuff at some point like um in in my mind it would be the uh maverick hunters field guide declassified kind of thing keeping with the universe theme Mm -hmm. but uh for now we just kind of kept to the main core game stuff uh which is what i was instructed to do What's really funny on that front, though, is one character I wanted to include is called X-Kai, who was uh, basically a recolor that was sort of canonized, I guess, in some way, um, Hmm. of a uh, True Force action figure of Mega Man X. Hmm. And it's like, well, he wasn't in the game, so we're not going to use him. And it's like a couple of days before the field guide started going out to people, he shows up in Rockman X Dive in the Taiwanese version, so... Hmm. Yeah, with any luck, if uh, if this does well, then like we can have uh, future guidebooks, hopefully in a similar vein, or, or update this one as the same way we updated the Mega Man uh, Robot Master Field Guide. Uh, Udon actually also supplied original art for some of the characters, because um, I don't think X-8 Mavericks had full-body portraits. He kind of gave them headshots, and that was it. So. I don't know that mm-hmm. X-7 even had that much. X-7 didn't, yeah. Yeah, so, so both of those got new art. Yeah, so there's a lot, you'll find a lot of new original art in the book. Of, uh, mm-hmm. especially even of major characters like Lumine from Mega Man X8. Yeah, the quality of art in the book is really great. And I, I like that, um, you know, for, for characters that have multiple versions, there's often, you know, like two pieces of key art for them. Or um, for characters, especially like in the, the kind of more pixelated Mega Man games, it shows like a field image of the little like pixelated version of the character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of, you have an idea of what you're looking at when you play the game. <laughs> really inspired choice. I think so. That one came from uh, Matt Moylan, the uh, managing editor at uh, Udon, who saw the book, the uh, ah, okay. field image. That, that, that was him. So credit where it's due. Hmm. 
what is your history with Mega Man X specifically? Wow. Uh, <laughs> so, um, here's the thing. Uh, I got in on Mega Man pretty much, not quite at the ground floor, but close mm-hmm. enough uh, for all intents and purposes. I wasn't there when the NES had launched, but I came in a couple years later, around the time Mario 2 was launching. Uh, my mom was keen on getting me into Nintendo for some reason, uh, something she probably lived to regret. And, uh, well, there was a lot of hype going towards Mega Man 2, so I started with Mega Man 1, and just... Mega Man 1 didn't quite click with me, but it was enough that I decided to give Mega Man 2 a shot, and then history was made. Uh, however, I didn't own any of the games. I was always renting them, and in most cases, I could usually beat them in a weekend. So I was like, you know what? These games are going to be there forever, so I'm just going to, like, you know, you know, I'm not going to bother buying them. So mistakes were made. Right. <laughs> but uh, come Mega Man X and the hype and the previews and stuff going around that one, I was actually a little turned off initially because there was this art. It's like really obscure, but it was a uh, version of Mega Man with uh, all of his upgrades. And he had this face mask, except the whole thing was basically like two or three colors. You had the black outlines, this like maybe one shade of blue over the whole thing, and just like a little bit of flesh, not even like the white of his eyes, like you know, in the thing. I'm not even sure what that's from because you never see it in any Capcom art books or anything. Yeah, I wonder. And I'm like, it's kind of changing Mega Man a bit. But then I start seeing more like, you know, the finalized stuff. And I'm like, okay, sign me up. And that ended up being the first Mega Man game I ever actually went out, bought, and owned. And what a what a first one to get, eh? (laughs) It's it's a good one. I I put my uh, I got my money's worth out of it. Got the game. I love the game. I played the games. I played the following games. Met my wife through the games, in a way. Oh, that's cool. And uh, it kind of led to me actually having a career in writing because of uh, doing the Mega Man Network and that stuff. And it's just, it's been a wild ride. Yeah. um, For myself, like, I was always a Mega Man fan. Probably not as long as my husband, but I bought Mega Man 3 used, and I was like, oh, this is cool, and I kind of went from there. Uh, Hmm. But then I fell off for a while. Um, I was a late adopter, late-ish adopter with the SNES. I got it in 1993, which actually was a great year to jump in, because that was the year that Mega Man X was released. And so I saw it in the, rent, in the, in the game store, and I thought, well, you know, heck, why not just go ahead and rent it? And of course, it's incredible. It's like one of the greatest action games ever made, and still is. And uh, yeah, from there, I, again, kind of fell off the series. Back then, I didn't have a lot of, like, kind of, connecting tissue when it came to games. I didn't really read a lot of game magazines until much later. Uh, I just kind of went with the flow because I didn't really pay much attention to the media out there. So it was a nice surprise to kind of stumble on X and then, like, you know, ride away to X2, and eventually I got Mega Man X3. And Mega Man X3 came out around the same time as the internet was a thing, or starting to be a thing. So I connected with the community there. And yeah, eventually I, I did meet David, and we, we got married. We've been together for 20 years. Awesome. It's kind of funny that you uh, just happened to come across Mega Man X at the store. Meanwhile, I'm calling Walmart on a daily basis. Do you have Mega Man X yet? <laughs> <laughs> the old ways of finding out if a game had the come old, out. The right? old days. I remember <laughs> when, when Ocarina of Time came in. I, I was actually in high school, and I called from our payphones there. 
and the person answered at EB Games and said, EB Games, yes, we have Zelda. So <laughs> I actually skipped the rest of school to go pick up Ocarina of Time. It was a great choice. Yeah, release dates weren't, uh, you know, set so much back then with the odd special occasion. Sonic Tuesday, I think, began it. Then you had Mortal Monday. And at some point, it's just kind of started building, and they're like, yeah, you know what? Maybe having uh, actual set release dates is the way to go. And here we are. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Mega Man 3 actually was my first Mega Man game as well. Um, I, I, I fondly recall playing it way back when and being baffled about what was going on with the uh, Robot Masters in the second half. Yeah. A little, <laughs> a little one would come down and, and mm-hmm. merge into the other, and I thought, well, who are these characters, and why can't I fight them? Yeah, I was, I was hmm. just, what the heck is going on with all of that? And what a <laughs> weird game to come in on, because that's the only real instance yeah. of something so weird happening in the Mega Man in series. So which series entry is your favorite, and maybe your least favorite as well? <laughs> uh, uh, I'd say X is my favorite by far. It's just, like I said, like one of the most perfect action games ever made. The music's fantastic. The graphics are really incredible for their time, and still are. Uh, narrative is very simple, but well told. It's just a, a good, solid thing from start to finish. It's one of those games where you're like, oh, I'm bored, I'm going to pick this up, and even if I don't play it all the way through, even just playing a few stages makes me feel pretty good and, you know, a little bit relaxed if I'm having a hard day. Least favorite? Um, mm-hmm. Probably probably X6, and it's a close one between X6 and X7, and here's what gives X6 the quote-unquote advantage, I suppose. It's so <laughs> obviously rushed and low effort, and that's not really on the devs. They were given like a really, really short frame time frame to do this this stupid game because I think, I think it came out less than a year after X Five. Yeah, because X Five actually sold, as I recall, sold pretty well because people wanted two D games. Everything was three D now, so this was a nice kind of throwback. And then Capcom said, "Oh, hey, holy crap!" So they got out X Six, which was just terrible, no fun to play. No. Not much fun to look at. Uh, music's good. Music's still fantastic. I don't know what's going on there. And X7 is absolutely terrible to play, absolutely terrible <laughs> to listen to. Uh, but at least it tried new ideas. It tried to be a game. It didn't try to be a bunch of elements stuffed into a cartridge or a CD, as it were. And from there, X7 took the step to X8, which is not perfect by any means, but it was a much better departure. Uh, well, rather, a much better upgrade from either X6 or X7. So, my favorite also would be the original Mega Man X. That's the one where, I I don't know, I feel like there's probably the most passion put into it, because at the time, there was a lot of, everything was going to Super Nintendo from Nintendo. You had your Super Castlevania 4, you had Gradius 3, and uh, Contra, and I'm naming all these Konami things, but (laughs) yeah, a lot of people were like, where's Super Mega Man, as it was being called at the time. And that didn't come out till like a couple of years into the console's life, so I feel like they were maybe able to kind of take their time a little more with it, and yeah, you could just like really see a lot of just a lot of the passion there. Everything from like the way X like you know breathes heavy uh, when he's like you know low on life, and I mean some of that stuff would carry forward, of course, but. Uh, it, it was it was new at the time. It was like, oh wow, look at that! And if you were in the Chill Penguin stage, you were getting like puffs of like you know breath as well. Yeah, and just mm, all cool. these yep. like little touches. And maybe they knew that uh, it was gonna be, like become another annualized thing or something. Or you know, if it did well, that it would because you know, you kind of. I, I feel like it was kind of diminishing returns from there. Not to say that X two or X three were uh, bad, but I don't think they quite 
reach the same uh, sense of just every nearly everything is perfect in Mega Man X. Uh, I would also throw in X4 was really good. I think they might have had a little mm-hmm. more time for that one. Possibly because X3 was outsourced, as uh, mentioned. Um, let's see. And I really like Mega Man X8, bar the uh, vehicle sections, because if there's one thing that the Mega Man X team seems unable to do very well, it's vehicle sections. Or just Mega Man in general, because it's <laughs> kind of, eh. But, yeah, I was um, thinking of Mega yeah. Man 8 for sure. Jump, jump, slide, slide, jump, jump. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. My least favorite. Um, I'm, I'm going to go to bat for X6 here because if you use the ultimate armor code, it really helps negate a lot of the rough edges that the game has, I find. Whereas uh, X7, it's almost like you have to kind of grind to find the fun. It's one of those, like, oh yeah, this game, like, you know gets really good, like, you know, about, like, you know, eight hours in, and, like, you know, X7's <laughs> probably only, like, about, like, you know, five hours, so. <laughs> X, X7 never gets good, though. <laughs> I've, I've, I've heard arguments for some good parts. I don't know. I've never gotten that far, but I know that it's, like, yeah, once you have X, like, you know, then, like, you know, things really pick up, which is, like, after you either rescue a whole ton of Reploids or you've beaten all eight of the bosses, which it's, like. Mm-hmm. Then you get the titular character, and I'm, like, that, what? It's called Mega Man X. Oh, it's a dude on the box. Hey, how you doing? That was such a thing at the time. It was like Metal Gear was doing it, and uh, I, I don't know. I feel like Axel, like you know, he's he stands proudly along like uh, Raiden from Metal Gear and Silver the Hedgehog, and just that period of time where it was like, hey, let's you know introduce these other characters who aren't the guy on the box. What an odd trend. Like, I, I, you have to wonder what, what got into the water at the time. I, I guess it must have been Metal Gear Solid 2 influencing others, but everybody was so unhappy with Metal Gear Solid 2. Mm-hmm. You know, who, who saw that and thought we could do that, you know? Exactly. Yeah, everyone was drinking Dr. Green's Special Reserve, probably. <laughs> I, I will say this. At least Japan was honest about it, as I recall. X is more in the background on the box, and Axel is up front. Whereas mm-hmm. uh, in the States, they've just put, like, X front and center, and you think, oh, yeah, Mega Man X. I like Mega Man X. Let's play Mega Man X. Where is Mega Man X? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was uh, I was really happy to see kind of the lesser-known Mega Man X offshoots, like uh, Mega Man Extreme and Command Mission represented in the book. Have you played those? And if so, do you recommend folks seek them out? Let's see. Uh, okay, just taking them in order. Mega Man Extreme... Only if you are a Mega Man X fanatic who just, you know, wants to absorb every bit of lore firsthand, as in, like, the field guide's not going to cut it. You have to experience fighting uh, Gimel and Zane, which are almost, like, the only new elements in play. Well, besides MIDI and Techno, because pretty much everything else is a um, lifted straight from X1 and X2 and D-made into 8-bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Extreme 2, I would much more strongly recommend because it is much more of a remix. A lot of, you get to play as X and Zero, and uh, Zero in an 8-bit style that uh, you didn't get to see much of them before. Uh, the story is uh, a bit more elaborate, The more like, you know, the new characters and stuff. The returning bosses... I really kind of wish they'd used the Mega Mission uh, style, like, you know, where the looks were different and stuff. But they changed some of the attacks and some of the weapons you get, and it's a much more varied experience from just playing uh, the games where they took the characters from. X2, X3, I believe. Hmm. Yeah. 
And also, Zero uh, gets to face characters that he didn't normally get to on uh, his playable games. Because he, was, he wasn't oh, fully yeah. playable until mm-hmm. X4. And here he is fighting X2 and X3 guys. So that's that might be worth it for some Zero fans alone there. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Command Mission. I'm not a huge RPG person. Uh, when I played it, I really enjoyed it. And then I'm like... You know, after that, I ended up playing uh, Paper Mario: The Thousand Year Door, and then I was just like, really yeah. like oh wow, is this like what RPGs are?" <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I liked it well enough at the time. Uh, it, it's not what I wanted from a Mega Man X RPG, which was to expand, like elaborate on the world we'd seen in the games. Uh, instead, they just dropped a rock in the ocean and sent you to basically explore that. But I like I like it a lot for what it is. I really like the characters they introduced. There is a lot of neat stuff going on there. But overall, as a game, as an RPG, I feel I should defer to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's usually the best thing to do. Uh, Command Mission is a very, very uh, basic, middle-of-the-road RPG gameplay-wise. It's actually by the Breath of mm-hmm. Fire 5 team, Dragon Quarter, which is an extremely controversial RPG in itself. Interesting. So it plays things a lot more safe than Dragon Quarter, but... Um, I really enjoy getting up there and fighting classic Mega Man enemies in uh, a JRPG menu style. I think that's a lot of fun. But the environments in Command Mission are very dull. There's nothing to do in them. That was actually one thing that drove me nuts in Command Mission, is it's like a full like 3D world. You've got random encounters where you don't see the enemies, and somehow those two elements just do not work for me. Because like if it's a 3D world, I want to see the enemies before I encounter them. If it's like an abstract, like, you know, chibi 8-bit moving around the map and then whoosh, the screen transitions. I, I don't know, I can just buy into it more easily there. But Command Mission kind of mixes the two, and uh, it doesn't work for me as well there. Yeah, yeah um, I can dig it. Mm-hmm. Basically, by that point in RPG history, uh, random encounters in general were really on the way out, and they really decided, okay, we're going to put them in. Nobody likes them, especially, as David said, in a 3 environment. It made the environments look all the more flat and empty when you could have put some enemies in there to at least jazz things up a bit. The mm-hmm. story is mostly nonsense. There's a few good characters. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm no, serious. I'm sorry. It comes there's back re- to me. <laughs> there's a rebellion fighting uh, a resistance, and I just, I'm just like, what is going on? I don't understand. I did find the NPCs kind of cute, though. Like, and the party members were a lot of fun. Like, I liked, uh, I like Cinnamon. She's cute. I like Maximo. I like Marino. The battle system's fun too. It has, it's very sleek. Again, that's the Breath of Fire uh, 5 team's influence, I think. So, it's so-so. If you're a real lore hound, and you really got of experience at first hand, like David said earlier, then sure, there are certainly worse RPGs you can play, but it's not going to be, like, you know, the greatest RPG of that generation you've ever played. Um, Mega Man Extreme, I'm going to echo David. First game, there's really no big reason to play it. Extreme 2 is very much more of its own experience, and it's much more self-contained. It, it's not, like, the most incredible Mega Man X game out there, but again, if you want like portable nostalgia, it's pretty solid. It's pretty fun. Oh, and if you want to see Iris's uh, chronological debut, that's a point for Extreme Two as well. Yeah, that's where Iris debuts in Extreme Two. Interesting. Yeah, I'll, I'll confess. Um, until I was looking at the field guide, um, I had thought that the Mega Man Extreme games had no original characters. <laughs> there, the thing I don't get about Extreme is you have the the henchman Gimel and Zayn. To this day, I don't understand. They're named after Hebrew characters, the Gimo, which is a G, and the Zion, which is like a Z, but why? Mm-hmm. To this day, I don't know. Uh, if you write the characters in Hebrew scripts, they mirror each other, and I always thought that was, okay, did Capcom make a really specific choice here, or 
did they just completely stumble on something random, which happens a lot with uh, Judaism and and Japanese game developers sometimes with incredible results. So I don't understand to this day. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering if it was kind of that era, uh, like right around the turn of the century, because that's kind of when you also see the the folks at Square doing a lot of the same thing with Final Fantasy, right? Like pulling in. Oh yeah, everyone yeah. was biblical. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, right, exactly. It was, it was, it was a sign of the times. Give Evangelion yes, like just sparked that, and it, it just made like holy wildfire across the world. That must have been it. So as we know, there's uh, quite a cast of characters with the uh, the Mavericks, or Irregulars, I guess they're called. Um, in Japan, yeah. In Japan. Which Maverick do you think is the is the wackiest one? <laughs> just the one that's just like, lol out loud, really? The, the goofiest of the bunch. Um, yeah. I don't know, what do you think, David? Wow, uh, that's a tough one. I know on a previous podcast we were talking about, I think someone asked us who was the worst Maverick and why is it Tornado Tunyon? For yeah. X7, and he's really <laughs> a yeah. good candidate. I literally was going to say that one. Because <laughs> the worst part is he has voice, and he doesn't need voice by God. Because you have goofy Mavericks from other games, like Wire Sponge from Mega Man X2 is a sea cucumber. Split Mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Split Mushrooms also a goofy, like, kind of fungi splash uh, plant based Maverick. Uh, but Tornado Tunyon talks, and he talks in this goofy. <laughs> like, non-sequitur stuff, and it's just like, okay, stop. Please, please stop. I guess an honorary mention is to go to Duff McWhalen, just for the name. <laughs> yeah. People are so mean about Duff There used to be a live journal where, where Duff McWhalen would RP, and he'd, like, just <laughs> <laughs> write all this crazy stuff about going to the grocery market and an old lady. And it just, it was all written in leak speak, and it was very, very, very uh, odd, let's just say that. Classic McWhalen. Classic <laughs> yeah, help that uh, all the X5 characters are named after what? They're all Guns N' Roses. Guns N' Roses characters. Yeah. Which is fine with me, because I, 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 I love Guns N' Roses to this day. So. Mm. so there's Axel the Red, who's uh, Axel Rose, of course. Axel Rose mm-hmm. uh, Let's see. There's Duff McWhalen, who was... I think Duff was a drummer. Let's see. There is um, Grizzly Slash. The Slash, obviously. Mm-hmm. Let's see. There is uh, Spy- Matrix. Matrix. I think Matt Matrix. was the guitarist. Yeah, Matrix. Uh, uh, yeah. The Skyver. The Skyver. The Skyver. Yeah. I can't remember who the Skyver was. I think it was uh, one of their producers or something. Dark Dizzy. Dizzy, of course. I can't remember who Dizzy. What he played, but he was in the band. Izzy Glow was it? Izzy Glow. Yeah. Izzy Glow. Was, was I forget Izzy. what Izzy played. And uh, is that all right? Close like enough. Missing one. Close. <laughs> I should have been counting on my fingers as we went. I know. I was like, is it that one? Uh, I have to say, though, like, you know, the, we were talking about the trend of Plant Mavericks being joke Mavericks. Thinking about it, Axel Rose Red uh, was, was pretty cool. For, yeah. Like, he was pretty cool design. And yeah, his, his, his his stage has, like, literal guns wrapped in roses at the background. I'm like, oh, God, they just didn't make the subtle, did they? <laughs> <laughs> Which is weird because the, the names were, like, a localization thing and completely unrelated to the development, like, on... That side. Of yeah, things, but if Japan so. if Japan gets a chance to reference Guns N' Roses, they will. That's why Japan is great. I'm just wondering if that's what <laughs> helped inspire doing the names that way. It could have. There's a real weird thread going on with that localization. I, I don't even understand the full picture to this day. Sure. 
<laughs> I wish I could remember. I read the story of why it, why it got localized that way. It had to do with uh, the main localizer being somehow romantically involved with somebody who was a big Guns N' Roses yeah. fan, Interesting. Hmm. if memory serves. And it, it's somebody, it's a big name involved. It's a it's a big name, I want to say like a voice actor, something like, like that. Claire Redfield at the time, if I'm not mistaken? Yes, Allison Court. Allison Court, I think that's the connecting thread. She was also, was she the clown in the big comfy couch? I think she was. She was, yep. It was a real Canadian thing. <laughs> in other words, it's supposed to be educational, but it's kind of scary, but kind of awesome, too. <laughs> so, so there you go. Mega Man X5 has connections with clowns on couches. And, and Claire Redfield and, uh, and Resident Claire Evil. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. I knew they were related. So where did you pull most of the lore on these characters from? Was there much supplemental reading involved? There was quite a bit of, of supplemental reading um, with a lot of source books and stuff that were originally only available in Japan. Uh, we have good friends uh, who helped us out to, to kind of translate those resources and uh, help us with our research. And yeah, uh, basically we owe a lot to them and there's a lot of uh, studying videos to make sure our Maverick Attack information lined up with what was actually happening on screen. Um, a lot of it's just uh, experience and osmosis over the years, like just like really playing and being involved in this stuff. Um, referenced some stuff from um, like uh, Mega Man Knowledge Base, uh, just you know, make sure there wasn't anything we were missing. Asking right. folks who are well versed, like Tobin Twenty and Proto Dude. Since we've both been in the fan base for a very long time, we kind of know who to go to for resources and what some of those resources are. Because as you can imagine, in Japan, they got a lot of supplemental stuff, especially around the SNES era, that we did yeah. not get. So uh, Koban20 is a very good friend of ours, has been for years, and he helped enormously with a lot of translating a lot of the, that old source stuff. Uh, Protodude was uh, really helpful on research as well. Uh, Ash Paulson, uh, who I think freelances with Udon, he... Uh, he double-checked a lot of stuff for us. As Shadow Rock ZX. He yeah. was especially helpful because uh, while we didn't draw from Mega Man X Dive for anything, like we didn't include Rico in the book, for example, uh, there'd be something like, okay, uh, Bit doesn't use his, in Mega Man X3, he doesn't use the shield that he's always shown with in pictures. And there's even a model kit where he comes with this huge hunking shield, but he doesn't <laughs> use it in the game. And I don't think there was a canon explanation until Dive came out, and it was like through that, and so I kind of started getting info from there because I wasn't playing Mega Man uh, Rock Band X Dive at the time. The English release like only just happened uh, here. Yeah, and we're on we're on iPhone and stuff, and there are hoops to jump through, and I was like, eh, we're not we're not doing all that. So right. uh, he and others were helpful with stuff like that. Yeah, and like David said, there's also a lot of just research involved, making sure that the Mavericks are using the right weapons at the right time, uh, which was hard for some bosses, like especially Illuminate, that bastard that went through hell trying to research him. <laughs> some were easy, some were hard. The worst, in my opinion, were the ones in Command Mission, because battles, like in a lot of the... Here's, here's the thing, when you're looking up footage on YouTube, most of the time they are not there to show off, uh, like you know, what an enemy can do or what to do in the circumstances. There were a few good videos right. that did uh, do that, though. But most of the time, it's like, hey, look how quickly I can waste this guy. So, yeah, you know, they might like use the same attack three times before they die, and it's like, okay, well then, off to the next video. <laughs> yeah, basically, it could be a bit of a pain searching for all of that. And in the end, though, it was worth it. Like 
having those tidbits of information, I personally found a lot of fun to write around. Like I did the biography for Zero, who's a character I know very well. I did Colonel. I did Dynamo is particularly fun because Dynamo is just such a, a weird ass character to begin with. I was curious to read his. I was also uh, I laughed out loud at uh, Doctor Kane's weaknesses. <laughs> that was David. Was that you? Old age and nuclear weapons. Nuclear I literally bio. laughed out loud. No, I wrote Doctor Kane's bio, but I don't. I think we had to like collaborate on his end. And yeah. I don't remember the nuclear explosions thing. Like we thought, like, is this going to get in? Are they going to cut this? But they kept it in. <laughs> yeah. Of course, he's kind of Doctor Kane's different. He's kind of MIA because, yeah, in the Day of Sigma anime thing, he kind of literally got nuked. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the Mega Man X games, like, you know, just the, the games themselves, it, 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 Kane kind of disappears after X3. Maybe mentioned in the X4 instruction book in, in America, but that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, Ma- working Maverick Hunter X in there was a bit of a trip because there are di- a lot of the stuff is the same, but there are, like, little differences, and we tried to reconcile it as best we could. Like, mm-hmm. for instance, uh, Spark Mandrel. Uh, in Maverick Hunter X, he can turn his fist into a big drill. He doesn't do that in the original game. So it's kind of like, okay, maybe he could do it, but he didn't. It's a thing he yeah. can do, mm-hmm. but, you know, yeah, he, he didn't want to. to. <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of trying to work stuff to kind of massage everything to kind of just follow, follow the X1 of your choice, I guess. Yeah. Dr. <laughs> Kane, what, let's see, we basically said, uh, what was it we said? Uh, you know, he got better. Yeah, Doctor Kane said, said like that, but he like, persevered. Okay, he was there, but apparently he survived. <laughs> he still trudged on. <laughs> well, hooked up to that machine or whatever that was, maybe that kept him alive. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. We, 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 we tried to avoid any sort of speculation or yeah. conjecture on our parts. So yeah. we try to keep it as factual as possible, and it's up to much like the games. It's like up to the reader. It's yeah, you determine what happened. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll give you the facts, and you, you know, you can pour over them and uh, do one of those uh, pork board things with the strings and yeah. right, all yeah. that stuff. We're, we're we're leaving that part to you, you uh, Maverick Hunter. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of like the, and I get it because the most probable thing is they probably just forgot Doctor Kane existed. Yeah, and then they're just like, <laughs> oh, he was a thing. Definitely a matter of let's face it. Capcom is there to give you kick-ass action games, not necessarily write the most incredible story in the world. Like we're the we're the nerds who absorbed all the lore, not them. So right, I'm a I'm a lore person too, and um, right. A Chris knows this very well from our podcast. So when I was reading it, and I'm just like, what about what happened? What's happening now? I want to yeah. know. <laughs> exactly. No, I was the exact same way. Mega Man has been such a wild ride in that regard because. For years, I thought there was just, like, not an explanation for a lot of stuff. Like, I thought, like, the robots, not the robot masters, but just, like, the stage enemies in the classic series were just like, oh, that's just a cool design, let's put it in, uh, and it can do this. And then, no, you come to find out later that there's, uh, like, you know, oh, this thing was made to, uh, I don't know, dispose of garbage or something. Right. This thing was made to play hockey. You know. Made in Canada. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, then it's like you know, oh, so there must they they actually put a lot of thought into this, and then eventually you kind of get to a point where it's like you're actually putting more thought into it than Capcom did. 
For me, I like expanded universe stuff. Like, I like to know Chill Penguin's history. Hell yeah. (laughs) But then it's also like, I'm not going to put too much thought into how that compares to the universe, because it doesn't. It doesn't fit into the universe. (laughs) They're like, oh, he's dead now. Yeah, it was very impressive to see it pulled together into kind of a a cohesive whole in this book. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Like, I've always been kind of a story writer, and I always love the chance to write fiction, and that was... You know, basically fiction based around a lot of fact, and I had a lot of fun just kind of molding my character, I suppose. Speaking of the world of Mega Man X, uh, what would you two want to see in Mega Man X9 if slash when it gets developed? I know the one thing I don't want to see, and that is (laughs) a cliffhanger ending, because that's Mm. always bad news, and it seems especially bad for Mega Man. You don't want to see Mega Man maybe kill Zero and maybe get his sword and then maybe him reincarnate the next game? Oh my goodness. That was Mega Man X5 to Mega Man X6. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I'm thinking more like the end of X8 where it's like, okay, Lumine has like you know struck a fatal or a harmful blow, at least to Axel, and we're left to wonder what his fate is. And then for the next... Gosh, 17, let's just say two decades, because by the time we see anything on that, uh, we're just like left wondering what happened. And, uh, well, Mega Man Legends 2, enough said. Yeah, right, right. Mm-hmm. But as for what I would actually want to see, um, man, that is tough. I would definitely like to have uh, different playable characters, including Axel, because, yeah, X7, uh, he wasn't great there, but I love using him in X8. Hmm. There's a fan game that's been in development for quite some time now. Um, What what was the name of it? I think of Corruption. Yeah, Corruption. Where it's kind of got like sort of a Metroidvania thing, and it's like a retro... It looks like the Super NES games, but the animations Hmm. and the frames and stuff are like different. And it's just... It's like almost like a hybrid of uh, different styles of... uh, gameplay there and like the graphical styles and everything and i mean if they were able to turn that into an x9 i mean i'd be happy by it but yeah i think i'm in the same camp actually if you haven't seen Mega Man X corruption uh definitely look it up on on youtube it's a looks like it's a very far along game but it's still a case of it'll come out when it comes out but it's shaping up really nicely and hmm. i very much frankly love the idea of a metroidvania oh no forbidden word uh, starring Mega Man X, and I think that I would love to see a scenario where Capcom brought this team on and said, hey, uh, we'll help you finish this game, we'll distribute it for you, blah, 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 blah. Because it, yeah, it actually has a fully original score, has fully original sprites that they very much emulate the 16-bit, but they're all almost all new, all reformed. It's really, really cool what they've done. So, yeah, uh, I think a Metroidvania would be a, a bold choice. Of course, there's a lot of competition these days with Metroidvania, so Capcom would really have to just you know bring their A-game if they did that. If you could produce a similar in-universe style book for another series, what would it be? Probably Final Fantasy XIV. I'm a nut. That would be amazing. That would be real, real deep lore, though. Like That would probably be way over my head, but still might be fun if I had help. Castlevania would be a good one. I'd love to do Castlevania, that would especially be Symphony of the Night. I'd love to do Symphony of the Night. Holy crap. One that uh, I would be uh, interested in, I don't know how well it would work, though, but Yakuza has a certain appeal. 
Yeah, I love it. Outside of uh, gaming, I would say Transformers, but again, I think that's kind of uh, ground that's been trod before, so I don't know if there's like really much room for me to do anything like that, but maybe Ninja Turtles. As far as Mega Man goes, I would definitely love to do like uh, Mega Man Legends, like a uh, oh yeah, oh, that'd be so guide, great, or Mega yeah. Man Battle Network, uh, Battlers uh, Field Guide kind of thing. Actually, one of the things that was dialed back is I was going to have some like uh, some of the uh, entries be like reports filed by like other characters. Like the original draft had a Chill Penguin being written by uh, from the point of view of Zero. Oh wow! But, uh, yeah, so it's like okay, maybe that's not going to work so well. So we ended up dialing that back. I would really like to see a Legends Field Guide, and so if you like this book and you like the way it's formatted, uh, please let us know. Let Udon know, and who knows, it could lead to good things in the future. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, folks. Where can listeners find you online? Uh, well, I'm at uh, Nadia Oxford on Twitter. I'm also the co-host of the Acts of the Blood God podcast. You can watch us, listen to us, support us at patreon.com forward slash bloodgodpod. Uh, I also host the Charlene Dropouts Final Fantasy XIV podcast. That's under the, uh, the uh, Blood God umbrella. So you can also uh, subscribe to that at patreon.com forward slash bloodgodpod. And we talk about all sorts of things, all sorts of RPGs, big, small, eastern, western, computer, console, we, we just cover it all, and we uh, just have a great time doing it, and we hope to have you as a listener someday, if you're not already a listener. And you can find me on Twitter at LBD underscore N-Y-T-E-T-R-A-Y-N It was the 90s, don't ask. Um, <laughs> and let's see, as I mentioned before, I also do writing in various places, Nintendo Force, and uh, on my own website, poisonmushroom.org. And uh, if you go there and like keep tabs on either one, uh, you should know when the Mega Man Network is uh, back up and operational. Uh, I do keep uh, the Twitter operational, retweeting a lot of Mega Man stuff at the MM Network on Twitter. And uh, let's see, besides that, you can also uh, find us streaming, uh, usually on Thursdays at about 8 p.m. on twitch.tv forward slash N-Y-T-E-W-O-R-K-S. We usually do the streams together. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, listeners, check it out. Again, we would also like to recommend listeners pick up their own copy of Mega Man X, Maverick Hunter's Field Guide, anywhere books are sold. We'll uh, drop a link down in the show notes as well, just to make it even easier on you. As for us, we've been your hosts, Chris. And I'm Hamilton. You can find us online at FranchiseFestivalPodcast.com and Patreon.com slash FranchiseFestival. If you have any questions or suggestions, be sure to reach out to us via email at FranchiseFestival at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.